0: So it's, it's always been a real pleasure every time I get to preach on a Sunday morning and get to share and teach. And it's, it, I always say yes whenever, whenever it's offered because I love the opportunity. But one of the things early on, like the first couple times that I taught, I had this really bad habit that I would begin my sermon, uh, and granted when I started here, I felt like I was 15, right? But I would start my sermon and I would start by like making fun of myself, right? I would start by being like, yeah, I, mean, I know I'm only a youth pastor. And I would try to, I, I, in my mind being like, hey, I know that I'm the youth pastor. I'm just a kid, right? I just play with kids. And granted, this last Friday, my work day was shooting Orby guns and water balloons at kids. That was my work, right? But I used to start the sermon with, like, undercutting myself, and it was one of our great folks in the church that said, stop telling people to not listen to you when you start the sermon. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Because that's how I started. However, today, I will give one thing. I am sick right now, if you can hear that. And I... I don't often get to hear the sermons on Sunday morning because I'm teaching or in Sunday school or with the students. And so I listen later on uh, through the podcast or on YouTube. And this last week in preparation for this sermon, I was listening to the sermon, hearing you know, where Kenny was and where he left off. And as I was listening, I realized a number of times Kenny was like, well, you know what? We're gonna get to that next week in chapter eight. And I was like, okay, okay. And he said, and here's the thing, chapter eight, is the best chapter in the Bible. And he said, we're going to get to it next week. We're going to get to it next week. And, and I kept listening and I was like, oh goodness. And then, and then he even was like, hey, y'all should have chapter eight memorized. So I was like, I got to get this thing memorized. But he's not wrong in that, number one, it should be memorized because it's so good. But number two, it really is the, one of the best chapters in the Bible. It is the culmination of the argument that, that Paul has been making throughout Romans. And so it is important. So as I read that, I immediately caught a cold and got sick uh, as I finished listening to his sermon. And I thought, well, this is God's lesson in me as we're talking about the abundant life we can have in Christ. I'll be sick and I'll still have the abundant life. And then I realized that Tuesday I was supposed to go with my son to a, you know, like an all-day field trip. And I thought, well, that's one day I won't be working on the sermon, but it's fine. Abundant life in Christ, I've got it. Then on Wednesday, it was a really important youth night. We had some great opportunities with unbelievers that we knew were going to happen. So I was totally focused in on Wednesday for that. So I thought, it's fine. It was, the sermon's going to be Thursday. It was abundant life in Christ. You know, it's going to be great. And as the week went on, uh, things kept happening that I went, I think that God really wants me to have to rely on his spirit to have to rely on what this passage is about, because the more the week went on, the more I did not get better, kept being sick, Uh, performed a wedding yesterday in Julian, and I was like, this is a wild week. This is a wild week to, to have this important of a passage to be in front of us, and I just kept coming back to, if we live in our own strength, if I live in my own strength, I can't get Anything done. I really can't. Especially in, in in the work of the vocation of being in ministry, all of it is outside of my control. I mean, it's really all in the Spirit's work on everyone's hearts. And so I do what I can, but then even in, in my normal life, the fact is, is God steps in at the point where we reach the end of ourselves. And the longer that we take to really admit the end of ourselves. The less and less room we give God to really work and live in that abundance of his life. Because even in a week, and I don't say all of those things to like give you a, a like, you know, Zach hasn't prepared this sermon, so don't even worry about it. That's not the point of what I was saying. Because I did. I, I care deeply about what this passage is about. But the point is, is that if I was doing that in my own strength, I would have been a total nightmare at my house, Right? I would have paid you know, zero attention to my family with what I can. I would just be all over the place. And every moment that week that I could have had with people, I would have been on another place because I'm so worried about all of these other things I have going on. The only way I can do that is not just because I life-hacked my life enough and I made sure that every five minutes I'm doing these things and hyper-switching tasks. Some things are important to be able to organize your life well, absolutely. But at some point at Christians, if we really believe what we're talking about, and it's not just here's some decent rules for life, but we actually believe the spirit of God is living in us. At some point, you're going to have to let him give you strength. At some point, you're going to have to let him do what he's offered to do for you, which is to help you live. In chapter seven gives us this picture of this fight against the flesh that you hear of sin and you don't wanna do it, but now you do wanna do that thing and then you keep doing it and it's this cycle and wherever the, the commentators argue about if this is pre-becoming a Christian or this is during the Christian life or whatever, but the fact is, is that wherever you're at in that process, the offering that we get in chapter eight where where, where Paul throws us into this beautiful abundance of Christ is that you have everything that you could ever need, everything that you could ever want. And it is offered in this. And so I want to read from the chapter. I know uh, that Kenny got us real excited that he went through a whole chapter last week, but we're not doing that. We're only hitting 17 verses, which is honestly so much that is inside here. So I want to read it together. I'm reading from the ESV chapter eight, verses one through 17. If you haven't memorized, don't even open your Bible, so don't worry about it. (laughs) There is now no condemnation in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Will you please pray with me a moment? Father, we thank you for your word here, inspired by the very spirit that we speak of. And so this morning, with your spirit in your truth, would you guide us as we have already sung so much truth this morning from Pastor Nathan that we would be able to see what you are doing That we don't know always what you are doing, but you, you've already won. And this passage is letting us know all of the rewards of that victory that we have. And so we lift up this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. So I often think that in our lives, we see the world, we see what's going on in front of us, we all have access to the news, and wherever you get your news from, you may have the opportunity to feel like this world is, I mean, it's over, right? It's going in the wrong direction. It's, it's, it's all over. It's filled with all of these terrible things. And I'm not going to sit and argue about whether or not it's, it's worse than it's ever been or it's better than it's ever been because I think that, in my opinion, it's, it's still as close as it's ever been that Jesus is coming back tomorrow like a thief in the night. But I do still always see the need there 's so much need for people to have what we are talking about, the abundant life in Christ. The very reason that we go out to tell others about Jesus is because of what is offered is so good and so different than everything else that the world offers. But it pains me, and maybe some as a youth pastor when I do see stories where kids that have been raised in the church and been around the things that we're talking about and then leave the church to then go off and, and, and wanna live their life in their own way. But they, they live it in such a way that, they, that they're claiming that the things of Scripture are impossible to do And that's why they left the faith, because what Scripture called you to do, how it called you to live, was to say no to your identity. That what Scripture called you to do is to say no to the thing that you found to be core of yourself. And the thing is, is that's true. Chapter 7 tells us that the law calls out things in your flesh that you didn't even realize were wrong about you and tells you that they're wrong and they need to be forgiven But then the problem is, is I I think that people stay in chapter seven and never get to chapter eight, which is how we can get through those things. Because if you tell somebody, here's these things that are wrong about you, or here's the things that God has said from his word is this is the right way to live. This is what God has called us to live. This is his way of life. You will read it and go, yeah, I can't do that. And that's the point that Kenny told us, that, that, that the law is pointing out sin. But if you end there, it says, well, just keep trying harder. Just keep trying better. Like, don't do those things. Everyone will fail. Unless God actually gave us his spirit. So then when I tell you this thing about you, God, God doesn't desire that for you. It's not in his plan. It's a sin. It's off from what he calls us to live in. But then I say, but guess what? He's given you his spirit to give you strength. That actually is good news. Not only have you been placed and justified and forgiven, but you've been given a way to combat that. And that's this first point in verses one through four. It says that there is a new law, the law of the spirit of life, not the law that is bringing about death. this well, isn't Paul making a big statement that the Old law, the Mosaic law is death, but it's continuing that point that what the law does without the cross, without Jesus, is it tells you here's God's standards and here's how you don't meet them. I mean, I love that in seven that, that Paul gives the example of coveting because that's a perfect example for us because if you weren't told that coveting is wrong and you, you, you weren't told any of it, and you lived in our culture, you would never think that it was wrong because it's everywhere. That's the core of how we get you to spend more money is telling you that you need this thing, that everybody else has this thing, that Matthew McConaughey is driving a Lincoln, so you better have a Lincoln. You need it. And no one's saying, well, that's wrong. But, but the law is telling us, no, 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 no. This is not the way that God designed your hearts to work. He doesn't want you to live in this. And so the law directs you to how far off you are from God's plans and purposes, but it can't fix it. In Adam, we're condemned in Christ, that first verse in there. If you haven't memorized any of eight yet, memorize the beginning there, because therefore in Christ, there is no condemnation. All men, as we see, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the points that Paul's been making in Romans, all are condemned in Adam but in Christ, there is no condemnation. You are born into this world condemned for the fact that you are bound by your flesh. What scripture calls a slave to these things. And even when you find out the right list of rules, you still can't meet those because you are condemned in Adam. But then Jesus comes and tells Nicodemus. we might know this story. He says, you need to be born again. Why would you need to be born again? Because you are born in Adam Stuck, condemned, but in Christ, born again in Christ, that is how you get this no condemnation. In front of you, the quote on, the, uh, on your outline says, the law makes demands and it condemns when those demands are not met, but it cannot overcome sin. This new law of the spirit of life is what gives us our ability to grow and change, our ability to become the people. The, the picture that I put on here for us, that, that dead to life tree, the abundant life, is that the spirit of life is what takes the dead life that we had, the, the, the dead life with no fruits, into a life where we can get out of that cycle of sin stuck against our flesh over and over again. We'll never get out of that without the power of this new law of the spirit of life. Last uh, last week, Pastor Kenny gave that great image of an illustration of what the law is doing with an MRI machine, right? That the MRI machine will look through into you and show you the problem, but the MRI machine does not fix the problem. And so, if you had a doctor that came to you and, and used the MRI machine, saw and you saw the problem, and then they said, "Hey," Good news, we know the problem. It's this. Go drink some water. Good luck. I hope that maybe if you exercise some more, it'll get the cancer out. I don't know. I mean, just just try. Maybe really think about how much you don't want there to be cancer, and maybe you'll stop having it. That's like where we stick people if we leave them in chapter 7. That's like where we stick people if we tell them, here's the way that God has designed everyone to live, Your identity is supposed to be over here. Here's the way that God has designed us. And we say, well, go do that. Well, you can. You could try. Some people do a really good job. They could live their whole lives trying to be really good people. But the problem is, is you still have sin stuck in your heart. But then that's where this new law of the gospel of Jesus comes in. And he gives you the MRI of the law and tells you, yes, you have this. And then here is the cure. No condemnation. If you place your faith upon Christ and his work on the cross and in his resurrection, you can be cured. You no longer now are, have condemnation. And this is where those big fancy theology terms come in handy, where you say justification and sanctification. In conversion, in the law of the spirit of life, you now have no condemnation. You are justified. Done. You've been cured. It is, it is gone. But then the rest of your life is then taking the medicine to help cure the underlying problems that are still there. And so as we continue in verses 5 through 8, he continues to tell us this is what this new abundant life. So you have this new law That gives you no condemnation, but it doesn't just end there. This new law in spirit changes your mind. You need to think of your mind not as just a non-entity, but now it's something that you need to consider what you are looking towards and focusing on. As he says here that they set their mind on things of the spirit. Set your mind on things of the spirit. This new mindset. Because the flesh has its mindset on the flesh. Things of the world. The quote that I I grabbed, I think it's just so powerful. It says, to allow the things of the world to completely dominate the life is self-extinction. It's spiritual suicide. To allow the things of the world to completely dominate life is self-extinction, spiritual suicide. It's so important that we allow the spirit of God to impact what we dwell upon in our life. Because otherwise, we... We will be so caught up. We will be so torn down upon the things of the world. And this isn't just saying the bad things of the world. This is saying the things that are just right in front of us, the things that we we can touch. If we are dominated by those, and we don't consider the spiritual element, we are committing a spiritual suicide because the flesh is focused on just what is here, but the spirit is focused on life, God's point for your life, in peace, the peace that we have been given through the cross. The way that I think this is so powerful, and, and this isn't an indictment on everybody, I know that we all struggle with this, but if we say, you know, Hey, how's it going this week before or after service? And the common response, right, is busy, right? I'm busy. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's busy. And I granted, I started my sermon telling you of the many things that I had going on this week. I try to specifically not say, hey, I was really busy this week. Because busy just can, impl- uh, just can implicate that there's just a lot of things going on, and what happens is that we can have our mind so just focused on the next thing, the tyranny of the urgent, the next thing that's in front of us, that what happens is that did we ever just sit upon what the Spirit is doing? That doesn't necessarily always mean we do less things. God wants us, our life, to be full of the good things that he has in front of us. The works and the conversation our jobs to care about those things but our mindset must change. Our mindset of how God works in us needs to change so that we actually live in this abundant life. It's not just going off and being a monk somewhere, and that's how I get filled up with this abundant life, and that's the only way. Then I go into the world, and I get broken down and teared down. I used to think when I was young that the way that church works is you come together on a Sunday morning, and you, you had a really difficult week. You get together. We, all, we can sing. We learn about God, and we like kind of refill our spiritual batteries up to full to then go out into the week again and just keep going and keep keep fighting and going, and my batteries get down. And then as I got older, I realized that's not, that's not totally right. It's every day. We need to be in God's word, refilling our batteries every day. So we wake up in the morning and we make sure we read scripture and we make sure that we do think and fill up our batteries. And then we go through our day and we get so tired and, 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 and we have all these opportunities. And then our battery gets really low throughout the day. And that person says that mean thing to me. I respond back to them uh, really short. Ah, my batteries are low. I gotta go refill my batteries up. I gotta take this time away. But here's the thing. A theologian named W.H. Thomas Illustrated this principle of living according to the spirit. That our minds are according to the spirit. By comparing it to the difference between a car. Which operates on what I was just talking about. The storage principle. And the tram. Or trolley. that That runs on the contact principle. It's the ladder that God has adopted for holiness. For how humans need to live. We do not store up grace but instead stay in contact, constant contact with the one who is the source of all life and power. We don't just have spiritual batteries that we got to fill up and then we can run off and go accomplish the things we need to do, then come back to God. and con- No. When we move away from God's strength, we're done. It's like the train ran off the tracks and hopefully we can roll for a little distance. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but that's why. Is that if you go and say, okay, I'm gonna focus on you, God, for this little moment here, and I gotta go uh, go be with these really difficult people, I'm just gonna go do it, and hopefully I can last for one time. And maybe you last for a little while, maybe you have some good momentum for a little bit, but before you know it, man, they are super bothersome. Man, am I getting short with them? Man, I thought I was gonna be real patient with my kids today, but I'm just not. I gotta go fill up my batteries more. Maybe I gotta get bigger batteries. Maybe we have to keep mining lithium forever to have batteries for it. I don't know. No. It's Constant. That's not how we're supposed to work. Uh, after first service, someone walked up to me and said they, uh, that this idea helped them in the sense that they were imagining as they go throughout the day, instead of just thinking, I got to recharge my batteries, but it's like spiritually, their arm as they walk throughout the entire day is up in the air, like holding onto God's hand all day long as you're walking through. Maybe it's giving high fives. Maybe you're walking through and you're holding, giving high all day. Paul calls us to pray continually. And we think, well, how do I just sit and pray continually? No, that's what he's talking about. He says, you have to be in constant contact because he is the only source of strength. He's all of it. When you're disconnected from him, you've got no power. You're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to live in chapter seven of fighting the flesh, but wanting the flesh, but not wanting to do it. And you're just stuck. But what God is offering us is saying, no, no, no. While you're at work, while you're with us people, while you're hoping to share the gospel, don't just try to store up and prep and then kind of go for it. He says, No, I'm with you. Constant connection. And as he continues, it's, it's still the, the big idea to, to let you know the secret of what today in this passage is about is the abundance of Christ is that we have God's Spirit living within us. That's, that's it. And it's different ways to make sure that you are living in that reality. We do not believe that you need to pray for more of the Spirit that that sometimes he's leaving you and you gotta make sure that he's back around. No, he is there and we see in this next portion in verses nine through 11 that the spirit of life is because of righteousness. We see in this passage that he directs us that it's in conversion, that those who are in Christ have God's spirit. And it doesn't change. He who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him in verse nine. So the picture is you've got, if you have followed Jesus, if you've made him the Lord of your life, if you have directed your life towards him, then you have received God's spirit in you. The question we have to look at is that are you allowing that new spirit to control you? Are you stuck with letting the flesh, that old slave driver control you? Because the good news is that you've been justified and paid for. And then because you are paid for and where Jesus is righteousness. Now, we just talked about it at Easter. When Jesus dies on the cross, he dies and pays this debt. And then the temple curtains are ripped open and God's spirit leaves the temple. Why? Is it because he's running away? No, he leaves the temple, and then in believing in Jesus and making him the Lord, we now become God's temple. God couldn't live in us before because of sin, but with the payment, the perfect payment of Christ and in his resurrection, we now can have God's actual spirit be in us. In this new spirit, if you want to mark this passage, this is one of the best places in scripture that chose us. That clearly God's spirit is at the moment of conversion. He doesn't go anywhere else. There's not more of him to get. There's not, less of him. The, the difference is, are you listening to him? Are you giving him space? Or as you go into the world and you are so overburdened that you are trying to fill up your batteries with him and then you're leaving him in the dust. On your outline, it also has a, a quote there. The victory of Romans 8 results from living in vital union with Christ Jesus, sustained and empowered by the Spirit of God. The the victory that we can have, this abundant life that we hear about is not a secret. It's not a, a magical way. If you organize your life this perfectly, if you do all these things, the secret is not a secret. It's clear. It's allow yourself to be under his control. Allow yourself to have the Spirit Be the one who is changing and working and fixing you. I know that um, some folks have either been in uh, recovery groups or know folks that are in it, but I know that the first time I ever went to a recovery group in in my college years, as a visitor, I went in and as I heard them for the first time in my life, like heard them walk through 12 steps, I heard them and I went, Isn't that the gospel? I didn't know at that time that like the founder was basing it on his, his, his understanding of how not just justification, you're being made right. So now God can dwell in you, but now sanctification. And in those steps, if you don't know, one of those first ones is what? Admitting that you have a problem that you can't fix. And here's the thing. We're okay if people say that because you're addicted to this, this big thing that's torn apart your life, or you've, you've hidden your alcoholism for so many years. And, and yeah, no, it makes sense. You've got to admit that you've got a problem, but here's the thing. We all have to admit that every day that you are in that Roman seven cycle of, I thought I wasn't supposed to covet, but now I kind of do want to covet. And now I do, and you're caught in it. And you think, well, this is a little one. I could fix this, right? But no. This new spirit tells us that no, we've given you the power now that you can actually conquer those things. Because you can't on your own. And even with God's strength and power, fighting that flesh is so difficult. And it's, often a, li- it's a lifetime of learning what it looks like to live in submission to the ways of Jesus Christ. But he's given us all of this power. Now, if you heard me teach uh, Good Friday, you know that I mentioned... Um, Video games and a video game movie because I'm a youth pastor and that's what I have to do, right? And I'm not going to give you guys a break this week because uh, I'm going to mention a superhero movie. Um, <clears throat> but I won't name it so you won't get so confused and I'm not going to go really in deep. But the, the point of it is this there's a million different superhero movies out that have been out for many years and uh, from the early Superman movies and all that kind of stuff. But what I always found interesting in a couple of the um, not most recent, most recent when I was younger, but the very first Avengers movie. You have this team of people coming together to fight. You know, it starts off, they're fighting just little guys here and there, right? They're, 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 there's this bad guy that's doing this, right? But as it increases over and over again, the bad guys get stronger and stronger, right? And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's the entire world is being exploded by these giant lasers. And everyone has the power to like control your mind. And here's like these, I mean, it gets wild, right? And you look at the team of people. And, you know, some people, damn, they can pick up, like, buildings and throw them. Or they're so strong that bullets don't do anything to them. Or, you know, they're, they're so rich and smart that they have a cool suit that protects them from everything and has unlimited power. And then there's a guy that shoots bow and arrows. <laughs> and I know, there's some people that I know that that's, like, their favorite person. Awesome. And, and I got corrected after first service. Hey, it's not just regular arrows. There's like, bomb arrows and stuff, too, Okay. <laughs> True, 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 true. Okay? But what happens when that guy has the giant alien step on top of him? Uh, he's dead. There's so many times in that movie, you watch it, you go, this guy is definitely should be dead. He should definitely be. Because he's a normal dude that's really good at shooting at stuff. And here's the thing. That, we, we can watch it into some movie. It doesn't matter how it ends up. It's, it's awesome. Great. It's fun. And explosions, it's great. But here's the thing in our own life, we go up against every single battle that we have. Like we're that dude with bow and arrow. Going, I can handle this. Guys, I'm, I'm good. This is just a little, a little sin that I got to fight. This is like a little problem. It's a little bit of anger, but I can, I can beat it. In, in our mind, we're probably just like that dude with his bow and arrow. I'm pretty good. I'm on the team but from the audience standpoint from god's standpoint who has given you access to supernatural powers that's what he's done he said my supernatural not of this world power is allowed to dwell inside of you i've given you that power to fight those things and they are not just little monsters that you can that you can defeat on your own i don't know if you've ever tried to stop even a simple sin Simple, easy sin of, let's just say, you know, being really impatient. Wanting everything now. And the impatience builds, a little bit of anger. But I'm not cursing at everybody. You think, well, I've got it under control. Don't, don't be foolish. Don't any of us be foolish and play around with what God defines as not only a life or death. That sin, the slave driver, leads to death. And we think that we can play around and, and, and we can defeat it on our own. And if that was our only option, then yeah, I guess go for that. And if that was our only op- option, that's why so many people understand that as their only option. And then they leave the church when they find out that whatever that we've told them is a sin seems too difficult to fight, too difficult to stand against. You're telling me that this thing that I define as a core part of my identity is wrong and I just have to say no to it? if you don't tell them that they've got a superpower in them, that that's the guarantee of our abundant life, if you don't tell them that, then you are setting them up to get crushed. And for each one of us, it's not just those big, huge things that God wants us every day to have our hand upon him, constantly empowered, to be those people that we think of or see and we think that person is so great and a saint, or we think of how kind our pastor is, Pastor Kenny, how great he is. That's not because just Kenny is great. He is, I think he got a couple extra doses of greatness in heaven when he was made, sure. But everything in him is because of the closeness that he holds on to the power of God. And so finally, as we close, this last idea that is so key to reminding ourselves of the abundance of riches that we have is in verses 12 through 17. It says, we've not been given to fall back in a spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but a spirit of adoption as sons and fellow heirs with Christ. We have a new family fortune. I don't know how many of you guys have felt the same where you'd wish, you know, I'm not gonna go gamble, I'm not gonna win the lottery, but like, what if? some distant uncle somewhere, you know, it's just like, hey, you're in their will. You get a billion dollars. Go, you know, buy one house in San Diego now. You can afford it. <laughs> you know, buy, buy two, one for your friend and two. You know, great. Um, we wish that, right? Well, we want that. We, we'd love to be taken care of. And, and when we can take of other people, we love that. But what if I told you that you have that? You have it. We sing about it. We 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 sing about it all the time of the wonderful gifts that we have already been given. Because we have been adopted as sons and daughters. Why we call each other the family of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ is because we have been adopted. As if all of the other things we just mentioned, that God gave his spirit, that God has just simply justified us and made it so that we can stand before him in Christ, but then gives us the power and strength to be sanctified. And now not only that has he given us that, but he gave us his very family. He didn't say, you guys get to come and I'm going to save you guys. And then you guys are now all kind of the managers, right? That's part of it, taking care of of being stewards, but he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, You guys are stewards in that state. No, stewards and my children. And children get to receive the blessings. J.B. Phillips in his translation says, All that Christ claims as his will belong to all of us as well. I sit on that. All of it that, that Christ has put under him is, is ours, not because of ourselves. And not outside of Christ, but it is. If you are in Christ, if you've been born again into him and no longer just a child of Adam, that's what you have to wake up to in the morning. I I printed out part of the lyrics of a song uh, that's relatively new, but um, it's been something that I I listen to as a reminder of how to identify myself. In the fight with sin, in the fight with whatever is in front of me of discouragement or temptations, To remind myself who I am and what I have, it's called "I'm so blessed." I'll I'll read from what's not on the paper first. It says, "I'm so blessed." I was going to sing it, but I'm sick, so you guys lucked out. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I got this heartbeat in my chest. No, it doesn't matter about the rest. So I'm so blessed. Hallelujah! I'm blessed. And on your outline, it says, because on my best day, I'm a child of God. But on my worst day, I'm a child of God. Oh, every day is a good day. And you're the reason why. Every day is a good day. On your best day and your worst day. Why? Because you could ignore everything and pretend like it didn't happen? No. Why? Because God is going to give you everything that you wanted? No. No. Every day is a good day because of who God is, because he's made you his child. That even if in this life everything doesn't work out, we have a promise that the next life is perfect. And even in this life, we don't have to discount our enjoyment and joy of this life because he's given us the abundance that we need here and now. His spirit in us that if you are feeling so downtrodden, if you are feeling so broken right now because of your circumstances, we pray that, that, that God would move and it would heal and do a work of a miracle in your life. But at the same time, even in the worst day, you are still a child of God. I know that many of you, uh, that if you're newer, uh, we are too, because I've only been here this next month, nine years which in comparison to everyone else here being here 20 to 50 years, I just got here. Um, But in that time, in that short time, God has allowed and given us a number of amazing things that he's done and a number of very difficult things. And now I could try to make it through those things by telling myself I need to be more patient and more good, and you know God tells me to be joyful, I'll be joyful. But what actually gives you that strength in the face of my bad day, when nothing has gone according to my plan, and in the in the lives I try to invest in with the student has not worked out? I'm a child of God. On a good day, when when I see God's church loving my family in the midst of hardship, I'm a child of God. Hearing our, our daughter's diagnosis and feeling like our whole like, life in, in one moment was radically changing. I didn't have a great reaction because I went, well, we can handle this and I'm really strong and I'm very smart and Sydney's very smart and we can do that. No, my, my inward thought was, this is way too much for us. But I'm a child of God, and I know he loves me. And I know this is for his good. I, I don't always see what he's doing, but I know that I'm a child of God. On my best day, it's so easy to know I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I still need to know I'm a child of God. If I want to fight the good fight, against discouragement, against what this world throws, if I want to fight the good fight against my own sinful flesh, I need to know I'm a child of God and know that He is the one giving us the strength. So I pray this week as we leave that you live in that power, that you don't feel the need to pray for more power or more of the Spirit to try to change it, but you realize what you've already got. And pray that as you reach into the world that that's the message we give out, is that what paul has told us that we've all sinned that it's a bad situation and it's actually worse than you ever thought but then god has given you more than you could have ever imagined as long as you give up your control he will come in and change it and give you that strength and help you be that person that people look at and go i don't know how they are so joyful I don't know how they made it through that week. I don't know how they made it through that season. And you go, I I didn't, and I couldn't. But God's power in me brought me through because I'm his child, and all inheritance is mine. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you again for this morning and for this time that we have together. Would you be with us this upcoming week and this time together? And give us the strength to live out these truths only through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me as I give us a quick benediction from our chapter this morning. And if you are visiting, I invite you after the service to uh, head up to the upper room where we have a free pizza lunch to be able to talk to you, get to know you, uh, and share with you this morning about the church. For we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. This is God's word. Well, go in peace. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday and please visit with one another on the way out.